Welcome to the Pandemic Show. Stories of the pandemic for people living in the pandemic. No one is alone on the Pandemic Show. Good day and welcome to the Pandemic Show. We are all in this together and we're glad you're here together with us. Thanks for taking a moment to like, subscribe and follow the Pandemic Show on social media. Today we're lucky to have an athlete turned musician from Toronto. Who are you? I am Sayobam. One of the most feared brawlers in the Toronto roller derby world. Playing for the Gores. I know she's traveled, traveled throughout Ontario, maybe even the States. She's appeared in Waterloo Region and the Tri-City Roller Girls Beaver Fever Tournament. We're very lucky. This is our first person involved with roller derby. And it'll be interesting to hear how your life changed. Because what jumped out at me about your story was how you were a high-performance derby athlete, very dangerous sport before the pandemic, and then the pandemic struck, and there was a big change in your life. So could you just start us off, Sio Bam, by telling us what was your life like pre-pandemic? Pre-pandemic, my life was pretty much roller derby. I was playing for the Gores, which is a home team in Toronto. I was playing for the All-Stars, so... That's how I ended up playing in that Kitchener-Waterloo Beaver Fever tournament. I was practicing probably two to three times a week at our practice space, which is about an hour out of our downtown core in Toronto. So it's quite a commitment. I was probably spending 10 to 15 hours a week commuting and playing in total. And that's beyond the traveling on the weekends for tournaments. I was just roller derby, roller derby, roller derby. And I'd switched from position. So I was learning something new. And three days before our first tournament of the season, everything shut down. I knew that it wasn't going to return for probably a long time. I had been slowly getting back into like making music because I grew up playing music. My family grew up playing music. I took a little bit of a break for Derby, not purposefully. It just happened that way. But when the pandemic hit, I was like, I will never have this much time alone to myself in the house again. I should use this time to learn as much as I can about this other aspect of my life that I have been neglecting for so long. Sile Bam. That's a very interesting insight because we've heard from many other guests that the pandemic wasn't just a crisis and a negative, but it was also a positive in the sense that it gave people time to work on their own wellness, to work on passion projects, things that make us happy, not the, just the day-to-day rat race and, you know, doing your job for money and all those types of things. Mm-hmm. So you went back to an existing passion, music. And what was it like then doing an album? Did you do it all entirely on your own in your seclusion, your pandemic lockdown? Or did you yeah. reach out and work with people virtually? I ended up, I mostly did it all by myself during lockdown. There was two mix engineers that I reached out to online via a platform called Lander that they, I was just looking for some mix feedback when I had kind of created the songs. These, some of these songs I've written, I wrote like seven, I wrote Bones seven years ago. And I just, I kept a hold of it because I, that was the first song that I wrote that I knew was decent. I was the first thing that I wrote that I was like, okay, I might like actually be able to do this. And I went back in the pandemic. I wrote some new stuff. I kind of like took a look at what I had. 
I tried to do as much as I could in producing it on my own to kind of come up with my own sound, like figure out how I wanted the songs to sound, figure out how to make them kind of cohesive in a group. And then I reached out to these two mix engineers on Lander. One of them, he did not quite get it. I think he called it dissonant and said he wasn't really sure what was going on at one point and suggested I use autotune on the vocals. The other guy was very, very helpful. And he seemed to understand kind of like what I was trying to do a little bit more and asked a lot of key put like asked a lot of great questions like are you sure this vocal take like expresses the thing that you want it to and I was able to really learn from him I feel his name's Thomas Hazel I feel so grateful that he took the time to shout out shout out Thomas Hazel thanks for making the (laughs) thanks for making the style bam album so hot gloom (laughs) patrol and gloom patrol how would you describe it it's kind of like to me I think of garbage I think 1995 the first time I heard compliment well, so would you, was that one of your inspirations? I hadn't really gotten cognizant of Garbage as a band. Like I knew of Butch Vig as a producer, obviously never mind, but also like 21st Century Breakdown, Wasting Light by the Foo Fighters. What is it? A New Wave and White Crosses by Against Me. Like there were so many albums that Butch Vig and Billy Bush had produced that had touched my life and that I had known about. But it wasn't until in January. And I don't know if this is just because of my age plus Canadian plus my cousins apparently liked Goodbye Mr. McKenzie better. I didn't find out about Garbage until I sent my demos to a friend and my friend was like, oh, your voice kind of reminds me a little bit of the singer from Garbage. And immediately I was like flattered because I was like Butch Figs in Garbage and I knew that. But then I listened to Vow and I was just like, holy moly, this band is incredible. How did I not know about this band? And I did such a deep dive over the past like six months because I found out I became cognizant of them in January and I their new album is absolutely incredible I'm such a fan of that band uh so that's a really big compliment for me yeah I really found it was like a grunge rock I don't want to go as far as saying post-apocalyptic but it's kind of like a dark fun hopeful almost industrial sound we're so lucky to have Siobam here on the pandemic show stories of the pandemic for the people of the pandemic now <laughs> Siobam has agreed to play song titles in the form of a pandemic question with tracks from her new album gloom patrol how are your bones holding up during the pandemic you were in one of the most violent Hard on your body sports pre-pandemic roller derby. For me, my bones have been doing pretty great. I've started doing a lot of yoga and I am now my muscles are really happy with me because I'm like stretching myself out, which I didn't necessarily do before. I did almost break my wrist a couple weeks ago, though, in a skate park. And I've learned my lesson about being a musician who plays instruments and not protecting your hands because they are very important for making music, especially playing guitar and producing. But thankfully, it was just a really bad sprain and the doctors were a little spooked, but they just I was in a cast for a week and a half and now it's gone and I'm so grateful. <laughs> so my bones are doing very well. What's it like uh, hitting a skate park out near in this stage of the pandemic? We're both in Ontario. You're, you're in the Toronto area, the GTA area. I'm <laughs> in the Waterloo region area. I am on the traditional territory of the Haudenosaunee, Anishinaabe and Neutral people. I live on the original Upper Canada Settlement Treaty Mm-hmm. And I spent time with my family on the Haldeman track. 
So what's what's it like in a skate park in this part of the pandemic where the vaccines here, the variants are here, it's mm-hmm. summer outside safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's it like in the skate park? People wearing masks. Yeah, for last summer, some people wore masks. Most people didn't during the summer because I think at that point, like outdoor transmission was very low and people tend to stay like six feet away from each other unless they came in groups of like your friends that you're more comfortable with being outside, you know, your bubble, your skater um, bubble, your skater bubble. Once the winter hit, we couldn't skate, which really that was awful not being able to go outside and it being so freezing cold for so long. And then they shut down the skate parks in Toronto for a while. Well, shut down, meaning they put signs up saying that they were closed, but they physically, and apparently police would come and ticket you. I went a couple of times and nobody ticketed me. We've had a lot of lockdowns and hot diggity dog. That must've been tough. Looking really? out the for the people in Toronto apartments, high density living, looking outside, knowing that they're going to get, they're not able to go outside and really enjoy the outsides. When the pandemic first struck, what did you notice that was different about the big city? Did you have more nature observations or interactions with nature? Yeah, I purposefully sought out more of the parks in my area. I was living in the West End for half the pandemic, and then I moved more downtown. And even now, downtown, like I love going to the park and reading like and just sitting under a tree and yeah it, it can be it was really hard at the beginning to just be like walking around in buildings like trying to you know avoid other people on the narrow street as they're like walking around to try and get their groceries like we're all existing in the space trying to like go on with our lives but at the same time like stepping into the bike lane to try and give six feet of distance between you and the person that you're walking with so the parks in Toronto and the green spaces have been such a like p- place of calm for me. I remember spring 2020 when people first were starting to get out after the first initial lockdown and the, people took a lot of heat for how many people were in parks, but where else are supposed to, people supposed to go in Toronto? Toronto is a world-class global city mm-hmm. and like other highly dense areas there's people living in all kinds of accommodations. Mm-hmm. I My heart goes out to the people that are living in subpar or not up to code for whatever reason, accommodations, maybe people living without bathrooms, maybe people living without kitchens or people living in very close quarters. And to go out and be in a park, it seems like, you know, no no matter what the picture makes it look like, it seems like something that's safe and that people need to do. It's a, it's a necessity of life to be outside. Did, yeah. did you hear that it was safer to ride your bike in Toronto? When the lockdown started and vehicular traffic decreased? I didn't hear that. I actually, I don't bike though. I normally use my skates to get around if I'm going anywhere, but I would, I would believe that. I would hope that the vehicular manslaughter rates went down. (laughs) Did you find it easier to skate through Toronto during the lockdowns? I'm terrified of cars. So I, and I, during the beginning of the pandemic, when we weren't sure, like exactly how things were transmitted and like public transit was kind of like nerve wracking. I literally would skate everywhere. So I would, I roller skated like fully across the city one time to get to my friend's house to have like a bubble sleepover so that we could like see another, we both lived alone so that we could both see another person. But instead of taking public transit, I skated for an hour just right across and then wow. skated an hour back the next day. Thank you very much, Bam, for joining us here on the Pandemi Show, where we work to unite humanity with stories of shared experience. Our next question, playing song titles in the form of a pandemic question. When every day is the same, 
how did you not just survive but thrive during the pandemic? The pandemic. I love the way you say that. <laughs> when every day is the same, you have to find something that you're passionate about in some way. And I genuinely think that I don't know what I would have done without this musical project to channel my energy into, especially last summer when there was skating and I could go to the skate parks. It was, I was kind of slower on the progress on this, but especially in Toronto in the winter when it gets dark at 4 p.m. and it's like minus 20 degrees Celsius and it's snowing sideways. It's hard to like, really hard to see the end of that when it's like December, you know that you're going to go through it for December, January and February. And I don't think that my sanity would be completely intact if it weren't for this project, like putting effort and energy into this music. When I realized that Groundhog's Day was going to be impacted. One of my favorite holidays. I took that 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 hard. Luckily, mm -hmm. though, the pandemic show art project helped me through. I haven't seen Hyder Hair of We Wireton Willie since before the pandemic. He did not make a 2020 prediction. I know other jurisdictions did. Lucy the Lobster in the Maritimes, Nova Scotia, her prediction of the weather was also canceled. Yeah, the, the winter was a hard time because it, it's the time that you need to really gather inside. Or if you do gather outside, it's easier in a rural environment where you can have a bonfire as opposed to the city where you're constrained by you're constrained by the rules of the city. Yeah, I took a lot of walks with friends and a lot of like standing on people's back patios shivering just like <laughs> trying to stick it out for as long as possible before you would go home spending more time outside did you see any more of the wild life side of toronto or anything that humans living with nature did any of those types of things uh pop out at you i i saw a fox one time and that was pretty much it but uh, I think the parks that I'm near are a little too populated for other things. But apparently there's coyotes down by uh, like Lakeshore. My friend lives in like City Place and said that there's like coyotes in the area now. Watch your cat. I yeah, I got a cat. I got to watch out for my cat. She likes to go outside too. So <laughs> <laughs> next question. What won't you forget about the pandemic based on your song? I won't forget. I won't forget the relationship that I lost that I wrote that song about that fell apart I wrote that song about a relationship with a friend that fell apart during the pandemic it's something that's been like weighing on me a little bit more recently as I'm starting to get back out into the world and like see friends again and get outside my bubble and stuff like that but I think reflection is a good thing and self-awareness is a good thing and obviously writing about things is therapy so that's good the pandemic has really highlighted the social inequities of before times in my mind, things mm -hmm. that we knew were controversial or that just weren't right. And now we've seen like long-term care and how we treat our seniors. Mm -hmm. We know we've got problems with the migrant worker model. Mm -hmm. We know with the rise of Black Lives Matters and I Don't Know More and the Peace and Reconciliation Movement, now mm -hmm. finding, finding the lost children at the residential school sites. There's the pandemic with the slower pace of life has really given me time to pause and reflect on things that weren't right before. And I hope I hope that we have some unity among all people, all political parties, and we address these inequities so we can have a Star Trek kind of future. Yeah, I hope so, too. What you were mentioning before about parks as well, I think it's important to note that in Toronto, 
the homeless people took a real hard, had a really, really hard time through this pandemic. Obviously like shelters were closed and they started to build their own tenting encampments in parks just to keep themselves safe. And the city of Toronto tore them all down. There was a, a carpenter that was making tiny houses for people who were living in the parks and he was just doing it out of his own like skills and his own funding and, and the city tore them down and they start, they sued the carpenter. I don't remember what his name is, unfortunately. I think that that's so despicable. And yeah, like John Tory, who's the mayor of Toronto, it keeps justifying all this police action of like evicting these homeless people who like literally don't have anywhere else to go in a global pandemic where a shelter is not a safe option necessarily. It's, I've been turned on through social media to some of the adverse housing issues and housing is we could be talking about that for days but I remember seeing footage of single parents being forcibly evicted by militarized police around Easter and then the police being used to protect capitalism or however you want to call it that Mm -hmm. continues with the housing homeless housing encampments one of the things growing up in Waterloo region on the Waterloo Moraine on the Haldeman tract we didn't have that kind of poverty but Mm -hmm. now Decades later, as an adult, almost at every major intersection near the expressway, there's panhandlers, there's homeless camps being set up in the parks around mm-hmm. here. So it's such in in the four decades I've been I've been walking the earth here in southern Ontario. I've seen the housing problem getting worse. I've seen how our social programs, our social safety net is weakening and people are becoming more and more desperate. And I hope that the pandemic is going to give us the time to talk and we can all with regardless of our perspectives. We know we have a problem now. Just in for- sending militarized police out to beat people and move them—that's not—that's not a solution. That I think we're building up to a housing powder keg. Yeah, and when you think too about like exactly how much money, pe- like the city and the province spends on police and militarized police, like on their salaries for the day, in order to get them to go and evict these people from these places where they don't have anywhere else to go it's disgusting. Like it's like hundreds of thousands of dollars in police salaries that like, couldn't we have just used that for the social safety net? Couldn't we have just used, put that money instead of putting it. That's the thing about defunding the police that I feel very strongly about. I feel very strongly about it because just allocating funds in terms of like economics from one thing to the thing that people actually like need is what we need to be doing. I have watched the provincial government in Ontario defund hospitals and nurses and teachers and, you know, pretty much everything except the police. It's a complex, it's a complex, it's a complex issue. It's not confusing. Everybody needs to eat. Everybody needs to have a place to live. Some people are down on their luck dealing with mental health, dealing with trauma. Criminalizing them isn't going to make us safer. It's going to force those people into worse activities and the forms of addiction. I just think about the street level crime around our opioid crisis, our opioid pandemic, and the smash and grab crime. If we had if we had a more active and progressive policies of treating and then helping people with drug addiction, like supervised consumption sites, and like the solutions are out there. It's just the politics have prevented them from being implemented. And I can only imagine it must be even a bigger issue in a large global city like Toronto. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. It's It definitely is. (laughs) So many things that we should not forget. Yes. These are the things that we should not forget. I really liked seeing that on your link tree, it's not just all about you. You also have a link 
to the Indigenous Peoples Resilience Fund on your link tree. Can you speak to that link? I just feel very strongly in support of like the Indigenous community, specifically on Turtle Island, because, you know, I can see the things that are going on. And I don't, as a starting musician and like entry level worker kind of in my career, I don't necessarily have a lot of money to spare to give to these causes, which I would like to give more. And so I figure the least that I can do is at least direct people to groups that I think are doing things that are beneficial to the indigenous communities. Fantastic. Well, I feel so lucky for the indigenous people in my life who I constantly am learning from just from like being in the same spheres as them online. Well, most notably online right now, because I haven't seen a lot of my friends in a while, but like, I've seen a lot of posts about indigenous specific, like vaccination pop-ups and stuff like that. And I have a lot of people in my circles who will share a lot of information based on that. And I'm very inspired by those people sharing information and passing things on in the way that they can. And I think that's just what we need to do. Migwitch, thank you very much. Now, as, as the pandemic grinds on, my bubble, hallelujah, we mm-hmm. are double vaxxed. Yeah, and me too. Can, oh, virtual high five. Virtual high five. There's, there's still a lot of uncertainty of where we're going to go. We still have to be taking precautions because we have the Delta variant. I know Kitchener-Waterloo is a hot spot for the Delta variant, which transmits within family units more effectively than previous variants. When this is behind us, if this becomes behind us, what do you hope the world is like? I hope the world is a little kinder to each other. I think even at the beginning of the pandemic, people could jump on each other really quickly for the ways that they think that they're doing, that they think other people are doing things wrong. And even if you like, but heads with like some people can be so stuck in their ways about like anti-vaccinations or something like that, that coming at things with a you're doing things wrong kind of mentality is going to make people be very like closed off and not want to communicate with you. And so I'm hoping that the world is a little bit more empathetic to each other and communicative to each other. On a personal note, as someone with OCD, I hope that those free hand sanitizer stations stay around forever. <laughs> I that's been a highlight of the pandemic for myself. You make a really good point about how we treat each other and we can't, we shouldn't jump on on each other. It makes me think of the new Marie McLaughlin album, prominent Canadian folk singer, singer, Canadian singer, just released his 20th album, Hourglass. He has a song um, inspired by the George Floyd murder, I Live on a White Cloud, in which he thinks about and recognizes his own privilege in life. And at the end, he says, I live on a white cloud, which will all fall down as rain. Talking to him on the pandemic show, he said he's working on himself. That's important for when people are looking outside at their neighbors to see how many cars are in the driveway. There's a complaint made system for a reason, but we got to clean up our own backyards before we go knocking on our neighbor's door. And what will bring all of these fragmented perspectives back together in after time, I think will be music and song. Yeah, I cannot wait for... I miss the community of music so much. Like I miss going to shows. I miss like meeting new people and chatting with them about like what artists they like. And, you know, I I do that with my friends. It's a little harder when you're, I don't know. I love the interactions of meeting new people and like community. And I think also what's really cool now is like artists are talking more about the harder stuff. And over the course of the past year, everyone's talking more about the harder stuff. It's become more you know, pushed to the front as social media became the 
main way of us, you know, we're in our phones the whole day because we're stuck in our houses. So people were forced to pay attention to things more. But I also think that there are so many musicians out there that are also there. They make amazing music, but they also lead by example in the ways that they want to move their politics forward and are empathetic and helping other people come along with. We're very lucky to be talking to you today, Sio Bam, on the Pandemic Show. And you've released an interesting album of hope, Gloom Patrol. It's kind of got a dark title, but it's an, up, it's an uplifting album. I think it's pretty like dark, maybe thematically and like sounding wise. But I think that there's like power in leaning into the dark side of things. The title Gloom Patrol itself came from a Patti Smith Instagram caption where she just wrote this little piece about like being on Gloom Patrol and clearing out kind of like the cobwebs of your mind. And I just like tried to hang on to that as I made this because I think it's also important to look at the dark places and be self-aware and be self-conscious when you're looking at the dark places because that's if everything's golden all the time, then like it's not really bad comes with the good. And you have to in life, you have to look at the bad as much as you look at the good. What a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Pandemic Show. Stories of the Pandemic for the people of the Pandemic. No one's alone on the Pandemic Show. Thank you so much for having me on the Pandemic Show. Thanks for listening to the Pandemic Show. We're all in this together, and we're glad you're here together with us. Physically distance with us at pandemishow.com. Be a part of our community by subscribing to and sharing the Pandemic Show. Thanks for taking a minute to email an episode, share a link, or promote us on social media. Pandemic Show is on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. Stories from the Pandemic for the people of the Pandemic. Do you have an interesting Pandemic story and want to share? Email us at pandemishow at gmail.com. Thanks to all our guests. Thanks to Giant Value for singing us in and letting us know everything is going to be all right. No one is alone at the Pandemic Show.